You're on time to talk sports with raw mind. Game day, who plays with updates of all kinds? From press box to sideline, who got cut, who got signed? Who's clutch when it's crunch time? The starting lineup or the pine? These athletes compete, some without even trying. You want a championship, you gotta grind. When them bright lights shine, and this game go nine. They gon' cover the story, not quite like Ryan. Exclusive interviews, dudes plug like Mike Line. He's got the inside scoop of why, who got fine? Prime, time, got the game statistics. I could say, if you wasn't at the game, you missed it. But now, raw mind sports covers the distance. Front row, that's close, like a coach's assistant. You wanna be in the know? Eyes open and listen. This is raw mind sports, another edition. Happy Tuesday for the Memorial Day, and we got my guy Danny Thompson of Substat. I'm pretty sure he got some intriguing facts that some may not know, but we'll know in a few minutes. In the words, would always say, raw thoughts on the way. You're on time to talk sports with raw mind. Game day, who plays with updates of all kinds? From press box to sideline, who got cut, who got signed? Who's clutch when it's crunch time? The starting lineup or the pine? These athletes compete, some without even trying. You want a championship, you gotta grind. When them bright lights shine, and this game go nine, they gon' cover the story, not quite like Ryan. Exclusive interviews, dudes plug like Mike Line. He's got the inside scoop of why, who got fine? Got the game statistics. I could say, if you wasn't at the game, you missed it. But now, raw mind sports covers the distance. Front row, that's close, like a coach's assistant. You wanna be in the know? Eyes open and listen. This is raw mind sports, another edition. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Raw Mind Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Jones, and. We have Danny Thompson here, Substack. Danny, how you doing today? It's been a great day, I guess. Great weekend for you. You was mingling and wingling for the holidays, I guess. Oh, just hanging out with the family, you know. From Prime, you know, it's, it's good to talk to you, man. It was, a, you know, it was good seeing you actually. Yeah, yeah. About, about a week and a half, two weeks ago. So now we get to come back in the podcast form. It's finals time. It's all other time, and it's a great time in basketball right now. Man, I agree with that. I agree with that. And like. The ticker, if you're listening, I, I guess, looking at it visually, and for the audio listeners, subscribe to Raw Mind Sports, all co- podcast platforms. Go to rawmindsports.com for all content on multiple platforms, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify. You already know what it is. So here we go. Let's get this show started. So, Danny. Yes, sir. A deep scale. You know, we thought. That Boston was about to do something that was never done before. And that's a comeback down 3 0. But I guess that he had other um, answers for that. As a matter of fact, even earlier answer is from what sources said before the game started, the Miami Heat already booked their flight to Denver. So with that being said, go ahead and give me your raw thoughts on this Heat. The Nuggets series before we get into any more topics. I mean, you know, it's I bet you this was I bet this wasn't in the script. 
since everybody thinks the NBA and other sports are scripted, <laughs> you know, this this tells you that this wasn't scripted, obviously, because no one would have, when you have a chance to script Lakers and Celtics and you end up scripting Nuggets and Heat, yeah, that's how you, that's how you get fired from a movie scene real, real quick. But no, um, <laughs> this is the story of a team, like I said, Miami last year, that was literally Jimmy Butler and, and the Miracles last year, trying to get down and lose game seven at home to Boston. You know, it was funny watching the game last night. You see, you know, they showed the press conference. He said, at some point, we'll be back again in the same situation next year, and the result will be different, and it was. You know, right. it's game it's game seven in Boston, and you know there were injury. You know, even though Boston had injuries, I posted last night. I put my email personal status. Mm-hmm. Boston had injuries last night. Jason Tatum gets hurt in the first what thirty seconds of the game, and Derek White gets hurt in the third quarter. But to be honest with you, Miami Boston didn't have an answer for Caleb Martin in the first half, and Jimmy Butler finished him, and those the guys finished him in the second half. And like you mentioned before, there is no collapse. Miami took care of business um, the way they were doing it the first three games of the series. And now we're getting ready for Thursday night in the finals. Um, there was no booking. You're right. There was no booking a ticket back to Miami. Miami <laughs> lose that game. The boys were walking back. There was no plane ticket back. Pat Riley was going to make all them dudes walk right back to South Beach. So now they're flying to Denver. They're ready to rock and roll. You know, Thursday night is going to be exciting. You know, we're set for the finals. Denver's had what, almost a little bit more, close to a week, if not a little bit more than a week off um, before tip-off, so it might be a little bit rusty. But Miami's coming back with injuries. You know, like I said, Jimmy hurt himself a little bit in the third quarter, so did Caleb Martin. You know, Gabe Vincent wasn't 100%. And the good news for Heat fans is Tyler Hero's been cleared uh, to resume contact, and they're looking like, uh, from what Chris Haynes said last night, he's good to go for game three. So, that's a 20-point game score that Miami gets when they get back home for game three. And I think that's Tuesday in Miami. So that being said, <laughs> by the way, shout out to Essential Collections. Essential Collections by my girl Monica Ritz. Amazing products, handmade products, handmade by herself. Use the promo code RAWMIND. Use the promo code RAWMIND. You'll get a 15% discount. That's right. Use promo code RAWMIND and you'll get a 15% discount. So, do you think Miami was a better matchup for Denver, or did you think Boston, even though the series was over? I mean, if you look at the both teams, right? I mean, yeah, Miami won the game. I won the series. Uh, as far as matchup goes, I don't think it's hard for either team to match up with Denver, on the other hand. I think for Miami, you know, Jimmy Butler is the key defensively, and I think the role that Jimmy Butler is going to have to guard is that he's going to have to take a lot of Jamal Murray in the series. Um, I can't see Eric Spolstra, or I can't even see Jimmy Butler allowing anything otherwise. You know, Butler is a bigger guy, a stronger guy, goes against a strong, you know, a guy, Jamal Murray, not to mention he was playing some of the best basketball in the playoffs, but is also a pretty good-sized guy. Um, it's really what Denver, what Miami's going to do when it comes to Nicole Jokic. The, if you look at the rotation for Miami, Cody Zeller didn't play anything in Game 7. Kevin Love didn't play in Game 7. They were playing really a smaller unit, even though Boston had Al Horford and Robert Williams. I can't see them going completely small in a series against Denver because Joe Nikola Jokic will just have his way with them. But two, I'm not sure if Bam Adebayo, you know, he played good defensively in, the, in, the, in Game Seven, mm. is going to be able to do anything on Jokic. And really, it's going to come down to what we just saw in the last series, Prime. It's really about the role players. You know, it's. 
It's your it's your Michael Porter Juniors. It's your um, uh, containers call of Popes. It's your uh, it's your your Bruce Browns. You know, it's those guys that's going to make the, the key difference. What's up, Corlin? Nice, nice yeah. profile photo, by the way. You're artist now, see? But go ahead. <laughs> I was dropping soon. Uh, you got Jeff Green. You know, you got Christian Braun who probably find some some time in the series. You know, and Aaron Gordon. Those guys going to have to go against what Miami's been doing the entire playoffs. And I think what's going to change is what House Bowl uses Tyler Hero, because you know we watched the conference finals prime how guys like Caleb Martin, who I thought should won conference. Uh, the, the MVP of the series, you have Caleb Martin, you have Gabe Vincent, you have Max Struess. They finally found a way, Duncan Robinson finally decided to show up in the playoffs. You know, <laughs> those guys have came to be serious role players to help out Jimmy and Bam. And, you know, Kyle Lowry has become really good off the bench. And that's where we are. So it's really about the role players because I can't see Bam holding Jokic. And like I said, Jimmy Butler is going to make Jamal Murray work for every point and every shot he gets in the series. It's gonna be a tough series for me. Um, I, I look at it from a perspective of like it's hard for anybody to guard Jokic, so I'm not expecting them to, you know, make sure. I mean, they're going to try whatever they can to contain them, but it's still tough. But I do feel like they will have bigs in this series. I feel like Kevin Love. I feel like Cody Zeller. What I'm looking at in this series with Miami and Denver, it's gonna come down to S's and O's. Even though you got to still perform on the on the court, and you still have the players have to put the ball in the bucket. I feel like Eric Spolstra, after game one, he'll probably have his situational basketball lined up, ready. Although it's still going to be tough, it's still going to be hard because, you know, Denver's long all across the board. But I made a joke last, um, last night, and I feel like I, I was joking when I said Miami is six, but I knew people were probably like, what, you're next? Anything is possible because I look at Miami, man, for some reason, every time the playoffs come, they always find a way to get it done, get into the Eastern Conference Finals, get into the, the NBA Finals, win or lose. They were the AC were playing into the tournament, and for them to play in, could have easily lost a game, been out the, the playoffs, turned that around and turned that into what some may say a miracle. But for me, you know, Jimmy Butler, we talk about Jokic, but I like to talk about Jimmy Butler for a quick second because Jimmy Butler – when you game plan for Jimmy Butler, it ain't like with Steph Curry. You got to try to stop him from shooting, even though Steph Curry can do a lot, put the ball on the floor. It ain't Kyrie Irving. Just try to stay in front of him. It ain't KD trying to find a way to keep him from the mid-range game, you know, popping in. It ain't James Harden coming off the pick and roll. Like, you know, there's certain things that these superstar players or LeBron James attacking the basket. You know, it's, it's things like these superstar players have that coaches try to hopefully contain. But with Jimmy Butler, all I see is Jimmy Buckets. I don't know what is a weakness or a strength. He shoots mid-range. He shoots three-pointers. He goes to the rim. It ain't like he's just trying to post up. I don't really see nothing that he does the most of. I just see him really, literally, what it is, get a bucket. Like, it's nothing that just stands out to say, oh, we got to stop Jimmy from this, stop Jimmy for that. It just, for me, it's like he's one of the few players you can just say to just stop from scoring, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, one thing with Jimmy Butler is that his game isn't defined by one thing. You know, we talked about, you know, people said for years Jimmy couldn't shoot the three, and if you see, he took the three-point shots and he made them last night. You know, he gets to the free-throw line. You know, he, he, he goes to the mid-range. But also some of the things that make Jimmy dangerous is the fact of when he gets into that foul line, the circle mm -hmm. right before the middle hash, he draws so much attention 
the Heat shooters get wide open looks. So if he's not scoring, he's creating opportunity for others. This is he he can help he can change a game, you know, without having to score because as we learned in the last series, he makes a difference. He's a difference when it comes to you know, getting steals and, and changing the and changing the game plan. You know, there were plenty of steal opportunities he had and that led to easy dunks. And when you watch how Miami plays and this team is perfectly built around him. You know, this team is everywhere anywhere you have, mm-hmm. they they use Jimmy in every location. Right, right. Um, I, I, I think one of the biggest adjustments that he's ha- he made, if you watch game seven, is he stopped pump faking. Um, they were talking about this all last night. Normally, the first couple of games, five, first four or five games of the series, he'd get the ball and try to pump fake to get the defender off his feet. Last night, he was just going and flowing. And that's what makes Jimmy Butler dance. <laughs> right. You know, Jimmy Butler is literally one of the 10 best players in the league right now. He's been one of the 10 best players for a long time because he's one of the few guys that does two-way. His numbers don't show it all the time. But if you look at like everything under the hood, Jimmy Butler disrupts the game in so many different ways, and he also provides so much. Miami's offense isn't the best in the NBA. They're actually the worst in the NBA. But ironically, behind it is they have one of the best defenses in the NBA, and they're also right. one of the most timely teams when it comes to that. So Denver's, Denver's job in the series, Aaron Gordon – had to take the responsibility of Ron James. I think KCP will too. They had now they have to play Jimmy Butler. Um, that's the real key. They have to guard Jimmy Butler because if Jimmy Butler gets to his spots on the court, if he gets to that right hash, that left hash, and he's hitting that seven, that, that ten to fifteen footer, then everything else is dangerous. The real key in this series is Bam Adebayo has to wake up offensively. He can. You, you're gonna have to get scoring. No offense to Caleb Martin. No offense to get to Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, or any of the shooters. You can't rely on them to give you 60 points a game. Bam Adebayo is the only all-star. And Prime, once again, this you know one, one thing is, this is the third time in the NBA, I think in the last 30 years, that the NBA Finals has a, a series where each team only has one all-star on each team. Right. right. See, this is where the substack comes in, people. This is where, you know, substack comes in and tells you, you know, what the all-stars, the, the statistics, things like that. This is where Danny comes in at. But go ahead. And I, I, I and raw thoughts, raw mind didn't know that at the time, but that's where you come in, raw thoughts. Yeah. So, and, and Jimmy wasn't even an all-star last this year. It was actually bad my life. So when you look what Bam has to do, he like I said, he did it defensively in game seven. He's going to have to go back to the 20-point game score that they need the first two games because, yes, Tyler Hero will return in game three, and that's the plan. And, yes, he's a 20-point game score. But you cannot expect 20 points a game from Tyler Hero from a guy that's been off for the last six to eight weeks because he had a broken he had a hand injury. That's kind of unfair. And right. one of the things I do see in this series is it reminds me of a former Miami coach in the NBA Finals where it had a guard return from injury and decided to put himself back in the lineup. It reminds me of what Jameer Nelson had in Orlando. Right. Jameer Nelson happened when they played the Lakers in the finals. They brought him back at, after the injury. And it kind of messed up the rotation, the flow. Hopefully Spo was, like I said, one of the five best coaches in the league. He's going to be able to adjust. But listen, but Denver's thing is Denver has to knock down shots. They have to knock yeah. down shots. KCP is going to have to keep shooting the way he is. You're going to have to get Brown to knock down shots. You're going to have to get 
Jamal Murray open. So I think you'll see a lot of what they call the DHO, which is the dribble handoff, right. to be able to try to free space. And also, they're going to have to use uh, pick and roll to get switches. Because every time you see Jamal Murray being guarded by Jimmy Butler, you want to switch. You want to get Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon involved in a pick and roll. That yeah. way, whoever's guarding either one of those two can take Jamal Murray, which allows Murray to get to his speed spot prime. If you look at the last series against the Lakers, Jamal right. Murray shot better in the mid-range than he did from anywhere in the court. That's including beyond the arc. That's including inside the paint. Jamal Murray shot 70% from the mid-range against the Lakers last series. 70%. And he took just as many shots from the mid-range as he did inside the paint and more than he took from the three-point line. That's the difference with Jamal Murray from this year compared to other years. Jamal Murray this year was a 40% mid-range shooter. He shot over 60, almost 55% from the mid-range in the playoffs. And it's been increasing every single round since. So there are a lot of there are a lot of strategic points in the series. One thing that we did see in the last series that wasn't talked about, we talked about game one with the Lakers and the adjustment of Rui Hachimura when they brought Rui in the guard, Nicole Jokic. But if you remember in game two, Mike Malone countered by doing something he never did the entire uh, playoffs. He started Nicole Jokic in the fourth quarter on a night where Jamal Murray struggled. That two or three minute stretch got Jamal Murray going which Jamal Murray then put his foot inside the Lakers in game two, which led him to a victory. So those are those are the adjustments to this series. Spolstra, everybody knows how good of a coach he is. Mike Malone is severely underrated overall in the NBA. So we used to help coach with LeBron in Cleveland. He was an assistant coach in Cleveland with LeBron. Remember, Mike Malone was most known for coaching the Sacramento Kings with DeMarcus Cousins. The one the, the Malone was the head coach in Sacramento and got fired when DeMarcus Cousins was injured. DeMarcus comes back from injuries, like, yo, where's my coach? And he is gone, and he's in a good situation in Denver. And, you know, the crowd in Denver, it's their first finals. Like, you right. got you to gotta be excited for a team that's never been to the finals. So there is a lot. There's so many storylines. I'm just glad, Prime, that, the, that Miami and Boston took this thing to six and seven games because can you imagine if it had been two sweeps? We were literally – They were lost viewership. Right, we had eight days off in between games. We had right. eight days off between the end of that series and the beginning of this one. So, I'm glad that we had some basketball to talk about. And don't don't think that Miami, because they played on Monday, is going to be at a disadvantage because Denver hasn't played in over a week. And I say the same thing. Um, are you about to say something? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm about to say um. For me, that's what I was saying when I was making the joke. Cause I know people were like, um, people have been saying that Miami, uh, you know, they've been playing, they play game seven, they're tied. I felt like raw thoughts. This is my raw thoughts. I felt like they took off Miami took off, got some rest game four, game five, game six. Cause they didn't play like that. I felt like they, they got all that rest in between those games on how, how they was playing, which is a joke. But uh I also I know that um Eric Spolcher, um it's gonna be well prepared. I, I, I'm just saying. I, I don't want to doubt nothing that Air Spolster has put up. Put up. I know Denver has their rest. Like I was saying myself, they're gonna be rusty. This team gonna come out hungry. I think this team gonna come out fighting. They getting a guy like Tyler Hero back. But I got one question. I got to hit a big shot in the game last night during the shot clock, even though the game was already kind of blown away. But it was the way he hit it. It was a tough basket. With this game going like it is. I want to say he has an NBA championship. He should at least win. Do we see more Kyle Lowry in this series, especially with the scenario of Jamal Murray? 
Of course you are, because because Kyle Lowry is a big, strong guard that you can bring in, and he's experienced and he's he's physical. So that's going to help against Jamal Murray in the series, who's much more of a physical guard. Um, the last series, you know, when you have Marcus Smart, who's not exactly the best shooter, you know, Kyle Lowry is kind of a little bit different. But you need a guy to take charges. Lowry's won a championship. He's very, he's superly experienced. And if Gabe Vincent gets out of control or has those nights where he's 6 of 18 shooting, then you can bring Kyle Lowry into game to kind of slow things down. This is a different series. Denver has to run in this series, Okay. Games one and two, because of the altitude, they're going to have to run Miami out of the building. That's what they did against the Lakers. You ran up and down. Miami's thing is that Miami's not – you don't score a lot of points. So if Denver's getting a transition, Denver's using the pick and roll and knocking down shots and pushing the pace, Miami's not going to be able to keep up with it. But if Miami's playing hard-nosed defense and slows this game down and it grinds where Jimmy's getting free throws and Nikola Jokic has to work for every single basket, because here's a key. In the last series, they tried to use Anthony Davis as a free safety because if they bring him out, Nicole Jokic is going to go back door. Unlike the last series where Rudy Hachimura was back there, if you're putting Kevin Love out there and trying to have Bam play free safety, Jokic is going to shoot over him. And to be honest with you, Jokic might even get past Kevin Love to get to the rim. Mm. And if he's blown by Kevin Love, then you got a problem. Cody so Jones you're basically telling me, I ain't even rope. So you basically tell me Miami gonna hope and pray that their experience comes in handy. Experience in the finals, Kevin Love. Experience in the finals, um, Kyle Lowry. Um, I don't know. Still, who else on the team got experience outside of Jimmy Butler, but they lost. Well they, well, they still have guys that were on the team that they played in the finals last time around. Duncan Robinson was on that team. Uh, Lowry, Adebayo, um, Butler. They still have guys remaining. I'm not going to count your Dias Haslam because you know your Dias Haslam was around when the team. He's was an honorary. He's an honorary Miami guy. I can see now. Go ahead. Go I ahead. mean, he, he he was around when the team was created in 1988. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> he, played, he, he was playing, he was a previous player, Ronnie Cycling. So I mean, literally, you know, your Dias Haslam there forever. So they they have team guys that team that have been there. Spo has not Spo's a championship level coach. And to be honest with you, if Eric Spolster wins this fourth title because this will be the fourth one. Mm. You gotta talk about Eric Spolster as one of the greatest coaches of all time at this point. One of the best. Raw thoughts. This raw thoughts. You have to. You have to. You gotta oh, to boy. <laughs> I mean, because talk many, about Steve Kerr, they can talk about Eric Spolster, right? Because how many average <laughs> coaches win four championships? How many average coaches you know win four championships? No, you're right. Because um, I can't even <laughs> say Steve Kerr teams were average. So they won't average no. at all. <laughs> no. Right. Right. Right, and right, you may and, and people may say I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put throw this one out there. Do you say the Spurs were average? No. Okay. The, 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 because you got to think the Spurs got to how many finals? You know, and it was it was over, and it was almost a decade run for that team from '99 to what 2006, 2007. That yeah. was a long run, but they were they were literally either in the finals, winning the championship, or the Western Conference Finals. You know, every year, so. Yeah, because uh, Spo got one with Wade, they got they got one with Braun, and they get two with Braun. They got two with they got two with Braun. No, it's it, 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 it Spo's third actually. Thanks, it, Alex. Hold on, hold on. So, oh no, no, no! I no, take it, that it, it's right. He correct because I was thinking about the time with Shaq Wade, and Wade, Wade but that was um de, de, um Pat Riley got that. Pat Riley got that. Yeah. So, so yeah, 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 yeah. My question, but you Eric Spo's got three championships. So, I'm gonna go to this. I'm gonna go to this next subject, but yeah, everybody coming in. I'm I'm loving the comments. Keep bringing them in. I'm gonna try to get them up as fast as I can. I want to go to this next subject again. Show is sponsored by 
Essential Collections by Monica Ritz. Essential Collections by Monica Ritz. Handmade products. Use the promo code RAWMIND. Use the promo code RAWMIND. The ones who are viewing it, scroll down. You'll see www.essential, E-S-C-E-N-T-U-A-L-S-C-O-L-C-T-I-O-N.square.site. Handmade products, bad products, facial products. You name it. She got it. All right, so we hear this all the time. And I want to get to this before um, we get going for, for other topics as well. Because I got plenty more, some more good stuff, people. Everybody always say break up Tatum and Brown. I know they're probably not going to be able to pay Brown the money that he wants or what he's eligible from what I saw. Like, he's eligible for it, not saying that he's going to get it. Do you think it's time, Danny? We didn't probably heard this a million times this year, but I want to get your raw thoughts. Mr. Substack, do they have a logical reason of getting rid of Brown right now? I have a reason to do it. Like, I mean, you, you, I think at some point, you know, the Celtics have gotten to this point. You know, it's they've gotten to the conference finals. They've lost in the NBA finals. I mean, the problem is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're, they've been together. You know, they know each other very well. But in the new CBA, the way it's constructed, it's meant to break up teams. It's meant to literally, you know, not – it's basically putting teams in hamstrings. And if you look at the salary cap situation with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum over the next two, next three years, the decision has to be made. Jalen Brown's a free agent at the end of next summer, and he's eligible for a five-year, $290 million contract with the Celtics. The Celtics are the only team that can offer him that type of money. And even if he's traded, they don't own the bird right. So it's a little bit kind of a little bit convoluted with the new system. Mm. On top of that, Jason Tatum is owed $315 million for five years the following summer. Mm. So for those putting their math together, their math together, it's over six hundred million dollars for two players, which equals over fifty percent of the cap in the new in the new CBA. Which means they're gonna and be that, asking me and you. To play role players, they get them guys that money, and, and and that's the question. When you have a team, it's not just more; it's more than Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You still got Marcus Smart. You still have. We saw what Malcolm Brockton did, you know, before they got hurt. Brockton was six man of the year. They still have Derek White. You still have Robert Williams. You still have to pay all these guys, and they still. And, and, and the thing is, how deep in the tax do you want to go? So. When you watched Game Six, Seven last night, I know Celtics fans it kind of threw up in their mouth last night because Jason Tatum is legitimately playing on one leg, legitimately last night playing on one leg, mm. and Jalen Brown has the worst game of his career. Eight turnovers, five of them were in, five of them were loose ball turnovers. They weren't passing turnovers. He got the ball taken from him. Mm. There were five of them. Five of the eight turnovers were basically stuff that he did, like losing the ball by dribbling. In a game where Jason Tatum isn't available, the second best player Miami had was Derek White, not the guy asking for $294 million. So, yes, <laughs> it is a complete problem. So, do you break it up? You got one of two choices. Either you break it up and keep the window the way it is, which means you're trading for another all star, or do you talk to one of the teams in the NBA lottery and try to essentially take one of these younger guys and re extend the window a little bit because the player you're drafting is on a rookie contract? And when I say the window of rookies is that you're picking in the top three. You can't take anything lower than the top three for Jalen Brown. That's really what it is. That's raw thoughts. I'm going to go to this next topic. Kind of similar to the same topics we on before we go to that. Um, what is the Miami Heat recipe? And this is a raw thought question here that I was sitting here thinking on getting to the finals as underdogs. Like I was talking about a little bit earlier. It was like the AC. 
They didn't get in. They got into the play-in. What is Eric Spolstra doing with guys? And I seen a guy, A.B. Stanley Thomas on the G League is the new way. So, I, yeah, tell me, like, what is his recipe? And how he how is he getting it done every single year? It's, it's very simple. The Miami Heat have basically the same team they had last year. That's really what the first part was. It's continuity. The main guys were all there. You know, they just had elevation from guys like Gabe Vincent. Max Struess came up. You know, they they found something with Cody Martin. Um, with, with Martin. I'm sorry, Caleb Martin, excuse me. Cody's in Charlotte. They found something with Caleb Martin. They, their Miami Heat have been developing players. So we talk about development. Ab mentioned the G League. The Miami Heat not only use the G League as, as, as a base, but they really take these undrafted free agents and make something out of them. That's why the Heat are so successful because their bench players and their role players are guys that are guys that are under the radar. Uh, they have so I've got how many undrafted guys they have, but Struess wasn't drafted. Duncan Robinson, I think, wasn't drafted. Um, Martin wasn't drafted, but they're all play key rotational roles. And think about this: they were literally the conference finals last year. So it's mm-hmm. not just a recipe; it's really the fact of. Miami just didn't play like to their expectations in the regular season. Let's not be let's not get it twisted. Like I said, Miami got to the finals the year before, the conference finals the year before, and they were the NBA finals in the bubble. Like this is this is not a, a team that's been bad. It just somehow come out of the of the break. Spolster's a great coach. Yes, they caught some breaks. They caught some breaks. It happens. But let's be honest, they beat the Bucks in five games, who were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They went in and handled business in every series they had to. Every They played exactly what they're supposed to. They went in and they beat the Boston Celtics, so you beat the top two teams in the Eastern Conference. And it doesn't matter who the 4-5 matchup was because Miami was better than uh, – and, 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 well, that's what – I think it was what, Philadelphia was the 4-5 matchup they played in the second round. Right, right. Yeah. They beat Doc Rivers. That's what they did. They beat the best team five. in the East. They beat Doc Rivers. <laughs> and then they took care of Boston. And if you, like I said, if it wasn't for Boston waking up in games five and games five and uh, games four and five, this thing would have been a sweep because technically Miami should have won game six anyway. But that's another day for the story. I don't, I don't think there's much more of a of a I think a formula. It's just the fact of Miami's a really good basketball team. That's just what they are. They're just really good, and they knew when to turn on. And since you said something about Doc Rivers, let's go to that topic right here, right now. Nick Nurse takes Doc Rivers' job. So Nick Nurse decided instead of defending Suns, he wanted the 76ers. Um, is this a good fit? Can Nick Nurse get these guys back to the NBA Finals? Can he get the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, back into the NBA Finals? It's funny you mentioned my Substack because I wrote about it actually earlier today, which I posted about five hours ago <laughs> about Nick Nurse and the Philadelphia 76ers. Actually, it's kind of ironic you mentioned that. It, listen, Nick Nurse was the best coach available. Um, I think Doc Rivers got the Sixers to the point where they're, they peaked. Ironically, it's the same peak that Brett Brown had the team three years ago. Yeah, It's just done differently. Embiid won an MVP under Doc Rivers, and that's pretty much the only difference. Nick Nurse brings a lot to the table. Nick Nurse is a no-nonsense coach. He is going to basically ride players and hold players accountable. Ask anybody in Toronto. His teams are focused on different things that Doc's teams don't. That don't. Nurse is one of the best X and O's adjustment coaches in the entire NBA. Some don't like Nick Nurse. Probably because you never watched him coach in Toronto. Oh. 
It's really it's just simple. Last time Nick Nurse had top five player, what happened? What happened, Brian? When he had top well, five player, well, they won the championship. Kawhi Leonard. They won, they won the championship, and they beat the Golden State Warriors, even though KD was. And they, and they also beat they also beat Doc Rivers, Philadelphia 76ers in that process. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, they did. They did. So the Sixers are processing here um, in Game Seven. The difference is why is they, why the Raptors not where they were? Well, they they get they went all in for Kawhi, won a championship, and then Kawhi left for L.A. and the Raptors were kind of slowly dissipating. But here's what Nick Nurse brings to the table on a analytic level. One of the things that the Sixers have done poorly, which I wrote about today, is the Sixers have been completely terrible on the glass, on the offensive glass since Doc Rivers arrived. Doc Rivers' first season in Philadelphia Prime, they were 13th in the NBA in offensive rebounding his first year. That team had Embiid, you had Dwight Howard, you had guys rebounding. You had, you, you, had, you had guys rebounding. In year two, they were 30th in the league in offensive rebounding. They went from averaging, they averaged four less offensive rebounds a game than they did the year before. This year, Yes, they were 27th, but they averaged, they, averaged point, they averaged less than a half rebound more in the game this year than they did last year. They fell statistically last year, uh, this year. They, they rose statistically but decreased in the number of rebounds a game. Let's look what Nick Nurse has done the last two years. The Raptors were number two in the NBA in offensive rebounding the last two years. Mm. Nick Nurse teams hit the glass. And guess what? Prime this year, the six Joel the Raptors, will hit the glass. Well, the Raptors had eight guys this year, Prime. And I'm going to include Jacopolo, who was traded midseason. They had eight guys who averaged more than 1.3 offensive rebounds a game. The Raptors hit the glass, which leads to guess what, Prime? When you hit the glass, what does that equal? More opportunities. More opportunities to score. Yes. The Sixers were 25th in the NBA this season, 26th the year before, and getting second chance opportunities off offensive rebounds. The Raptors were second and third the last two years. Which means, guess what? More opportunities equal less possessions. The Raptors were number have been in the top seven NBA defense the last two years. The the Sixers are a top five defense. So just imagine if you take away four offensive four offensive possessions a game by grabbing four more offensive rebounds. Guess what that means? You're giving the other team four less possessions, which means in turn the Sixers give up less points on defense. It is what it is. I think Nick Nurse will use a lot of Paul Reed. Who averaged over? Who averaged 14 rebounds a game per 48 minutes, and he was also second in the team in offensive rebounds and only played 10 minutes a game. Hmm. Montre, your boy, your boy down here, Montrezl Montrezl played 11 minutes a game, but still averaged more than one offensive rebound a game. Those two guys per game averaged more than James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, and Tobias Harris, who played double the minutes. It is what it is. Nick Nurse teams will crash the glass, which means, guess what? When you crash the glass, you create more opportunities. Those are the types of things Nick Nurse will, will be able to bring to the table. It's just one of the things, there's more to it. But the Sixers haven't created second-chance opportunities. If you go back and look at games, uh, game six, the game they blew to when they had the Celtics on the ropes before they forced game seven, the Sixers had six offensive rebounds in that game. Six. Mm. Those guys weren't closing out. Nick Nurse is not going for that. Those are one of the, the what's one of the key things that he sees. On top of that, he's one of the best OTA coaches, which OTA means after timeout, one of the best OT coaches when it comes to plays in the NBA. He has one of the highest percentage among scoring baskets after timeouts in the NBA. 
So mind you, he did this with only Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet being where he is. Imagine what happens when he has the MVP on his team. He gets. He, I think James Harden will return to Philadelphia. And you get Tyrese Maxey, a 320-point game scorers. Nick Nurse has never had that. I think he finds the best add to Tobias Harris. And if they can fix these little things like getting the offensive glass together and getting more opportunities to create second-chance points and creating those things, that, that, that ceiling goes completely higher because we know the Bucs are going to be there next year. We know that, listen, Miami, Miami's not going anywhere. We don't know what Boston looks like. So guess what? Philadelphia has a, their, their window of opportunity of winning this whole thing increases. Because you give Nick, you give Nick Nurse something to work with. No offense to Pascal Siakam, who I think is a, who's a really good player, but the difference between having All Star Pascal Siakam and having MVP Joel Embiid, there's a bit of a difference at the center position. There is a huge difference. So and, that's how it is. And with that being said, we, if you're listening to this show right now, or when you when you listen to this show, you just got Substack in a zone. If you didn't know that about Nick Nurse, you know it now. If you didn't know that about Nick Nurse, cause I see some people over here commenting, and everything he broke down kind of got me believing in Nick Nurse off of all those stats that were just made. So we're going to go to a little, it's what they call raw thought gossip. So this is two things I'm going to go into. Is LeBron doing the Aaron Rodgers after he got swept? Bringing up propaganda, talking about he may retire. I heard at the beginning of the year he wanted to play with his son. Now, all of a sudden, he leaves. He's talking about he's contemplating, he's thinking retirement. Why is LeBron putting it out there? And why is LeBron trying to have another storyline? Is he trying to be like Aaron Rodgers, always coming up with something to keep us going? Because I don't think he's going to retire. I'm just thinking he just said that just at the time of a heated moment. I think he's conflicting the attention off Anthony Davis. That's why I really think this is all about. It's really deflecting deflecting attention away from Anthony Davis. Because if you really want to be truthfully honest, if the forks are coming out and you want to throw the pitch forks, it's coming at Anthony Davis. Because we all knew Anthony Davis was going to struggle guarding Nicole Jokic, but where is he on the other side of the basketball? That's where it really comes down to. If you watch game game four, the elimination game, where LeBron James showed two sides of LeBron, he showed early Cleveland and Miami LeBron James in the first half, and then he started showing the signs of a guy who's 38 years old in the second half. In a game like that, Anthony Davis, LeBron needed Anthony Davis in the second half. Anthony Davis would have a good game, bad game, good game, bad game, good game, bad game. It's great when LeBron's 34, 33, 34 years old, but LeBron's 38. LeBron had an injury that we all knew about. Some people forgot that this man's foot was already injured in March when he took time off. That surgery eventually was going to happen or it was a high likelihood he was going to get it. No one else in the Lakers outside of Austin Reeves was consistent you needed Anthony Davis, and he wasn't there. So to basically kind of take the pressure off Anthony Davis and LeBron not throwing AD under the bus, what does he do? Retirement has to be the answer. LeBron's LeBron's going to come back. All right, LeBron is going to come back. It's going to it's going to it's going to happen. Right. I think LeBron's going to play another two years. Will he play with Bronny? We don't know. But I know he wants to take a court at least one time with his son, whether it be on the same team on the opposite side. The Lakers, and I think also LeBron is putting pressure on Rob Palenka even further. Yes, these moves should have gotten them to the to the, these moves should have gotten them further than where they were. They should have gotten that. They they should have. But Davis didn't produce on the offensive end. 
D'Angelo Russell was somewhere we couldn't find him. We don't know where he was to the point where he was only playing 10 minutes in the elimination game after starting the majority of the playoffs. Dennis Schroeder is Dennis Schroeder. The one thing the Lakers can, can hang their hat on is the fact of Austin Reeves turned into something because I'm going to tell you who else is getting paid $17 million they produce in the playoffs with Blake Beasley too. So there's a, lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of fingers to throw in L.A. But I think LeBron is saying, okay, we did some things, but I just hope that this is talking not to bring in other players that don't seem to fit the situation. The Lakers play their best when they have a whole bunch of guys surrounding LeBron and AD. They still need another score. I mean, there have been links of Kyrie Irving. There have been talks of Trey Young. There are links of trying to land a superstar at some point. Who would you rather have, Trey Young or Kyrie Irving? In LA. Lakers. Because of LeBron having so much on his responsibility and play, I know Kyrie is superly dangerous with the ball in his hands, but Trey Young is also a playmaker. You know, if you look at this, the, 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 the deepest number, if you look at the assist percentage in the in the history of the NBA, the actual assist percentage, Trey Young is third all time. Forty one percent is Trey Young third all time behind John Stockton at fifty point two and Chris Paul forty four point two. So the assist percentage, quick Trey Young is third all time. This guy can get you ten assists almost every single night. All right, yeah, you got to live with the bad shots. It is what it is. You're not asking Trey Young to take thirty shots a game with these two guys anyway. But you're asking Trey Young to carry the offense on some nights, and guess what? He's carried it. Imagine if Trey Young has to carry an offense where he has Anthony Davis and he has LeBron James as well. He, he, he'll, he'll be able to flourish more because he'll have better looks. No offense to DeJounte Murray or John Collins or Clay Capella or DeAndre Hunter, those guys in Atlanta. It's a little different when you got LeBron and AD because those shots become a little bit easier because teams are focusing on one of those two guys. Trey's a playmaker. Trey's a playmaker. That's the thing. He's a playmaker who can shoot the basketball. So that's why I think I think young I think Trey's a bet, better fit. Kyrie, you don't know what you're getting. When he's on the court, he is phenomenal. It's just that how much are you going to get him on the court? Mm. And here goes some more raw thoughts. So we're gonna go to the next topic real quick, people. Um, while we got a little bit of time left. So I'm gonna go before I go into this one NFL topic, I'm gonna go into this topic here. It's a very interesting one. Scotty Pippen, people, has been going off on Michael Jordan for the Past few months, I don't where well, I, I got my own raw thoughts, I probably say about it, but you know, what is your take on Scotty Pippen just automatically just going in on MJ in 2023 and all these years? And I correct me if I'm wrong, I want to say he the one who inducted Michael Jordan to the Hall of Fame. Was it him or was it Phil? I can't remember which one, but now of a sudden, Michael Jordan ain't this, Michael Jordan that. Did Michael Jordan do something behind? Close doors to um, Scotty Pippen. What are your raw thoughts? And hey, Michael, we did it. It's Michael's son. So, <laughs> why, why do I have to give this? Pointing to his shoe and telling Michael Jordan to bring his behind back because he couldn't carry that team by himself. He couldn't carry. He couldn't carry him. He couldn't carry him. The year he should have won MVP, they lost to the Knicks in the playoffs. It is what it is. He couldn't carry into that year. He needed MJ. It is what it is. So all this talk of Mike Mike wasn't this, Mike wasn't that, bro, you could not handle it. You tried. It didn't work. You, 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 we saw you. We had you on camera doing this, pointing to the Jordan shoes that you were wearing. You were wearing those Jordans that night. 
So at this point, it's just for comical. To me, it's comedy at this point because you know Michael Jordan. You know, Mike knows that his son is dating Scotty's ex-wife because we got we got receipts. There's plenty. There's plenty of receipts of Scottie Pippen saying all these wonderful things on Michael Jordan more than we have receipts of Scottie Pippen saying how bad Michael Jordan is. So at this point, I just take it with a grain of salt, and we got we got basketball to get to you on Thursday. This this way I'm arranging this one. Yeah, so with that being said, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I ain't even – the raw thoughts, we didn't even have this discussion before we came on the show. But I was about to say the same thing. He really mad at uh, <laughs> Michael Jordan's son. He shouldn't be mad at him. I mean, Michael Jordan's son is the one that's um dibbling and dabbling. You know, until, I mean, and, 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 and the chat got his ex-wife. I mean, Adam's <laughs> completely correct in, uh, in the chat when he's saying that you know Scotty was really good the year. Scotty should have won MVP that year. Like, let's let's uh, he won the All Star game. I think he won the All Star game MVP that year. But I think he should have won regular season MVP that year. He was that good that year. So I'm just saying he couldn't carry them. He couldn't carry them past New York in that playoff series. That's what it was. You know, Scotty knew that. Yo, I, I need MJ. It is what it is. MJ came back after when he got his first full year. They got they won seventy two in his first full year back. So it is what it is. Now we got our final. Well, two more final, two more topics. I'm gonna go to NFL real quick. Yeah, blame Scotty Pippen for that one. We gotta blame Scotty for that one. Scotty came in and heard by saying that he shut Prime down. Testing. Yeah. All right, we good to go. I'm sorry about that. Hey, people technical difficulties. Hopkins got released from the Cardinals. Does he still got it? Where does he land? Yeah, he still got it. I don't know. He was he watched? Where is he land? That's the real question. He said he said where he wants to play. He said he gave a list of what six quarterbacks that he wants to play with. Now, mind you, each of these quarterbacks are some of the top quarterbacks in the league. And whatever team, if he picks any of those teams, that, that vaults him right in the conversation. But to me, the place where he should go is Baltimore. <laughs> man, I'm, 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 I'm raw thoughts. I'm trying to figure out is Danny in my head, man. Because look, <laughs> I was gonna say champion because I, I I was gonna say something on this topic. Championship. Go ahead, go ahead, Prime. I want you. I want you to go with this one. Look, championship. I was gonna say Chiefs if he wants to win a championship right in Super Bowl because they already win. I think, good I, think they they already I think Philadelphia as well too. If he goes to Philadelphia with the Eagles. Yeah. That's you can wrap that up. That part too. Um. I know the Bills was something special, but I'm still not sold on, you know, I don't know what the Bills. I haven't seen them in big games to say, like, I believe in Josh Allen that much when you got Patrick Mahomes over here winning Super Bowls. But the team I really said was to solidify something to get things done, because I don't know how the defense is going to be, was Baltimore. If you get a healthy Odell Beckham, and even with Odell Beckham just being a veteran and just healthy enough, and you still got a guy like DeAndre Hopkins that's available all season. Then you you mesh these guys when the um, playoffs come. And then the AFC is already extremely tough. For Lamar Jackson, just to have Odell Beckham by himself, I still don't see Baltimore doing anything. But if you add DeAndre Hopkins with the running back core and Lamar Jackson's ability to create, 
as in creating like scrambling and making making plays. Those two guys are very, very experienced wide receivers. Those two guys can change something. You got Aaron Rodgers in, in New York. You got, at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL. You still got Joe Burrow in Cincinnati with all his weapons that he's he's usually throwing to night in, night out, and that time about working on extension already this summer. So him in Baltimore is the exactly perfect fit for me. And it's crazy because I thought you was in my head, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I think you know a lot of the same points you made, but I think the other point is if you look at the Baltimore receiving core now, it's Odell Beckham, there's Dave Flowers, Rashad Bateman, and you know they still have arguably the best time. I think literally one B and Travis Kelsey's one A, and that's Mark Andrews. Shoot, so, oh, oh, Kittle? You think you think one Andrews better than Kittle? Kittle ain't one A. Or oh, one B, well, one B, know. whatever. No, no, because Travis Kelsey is one A. And I know. Mark well, is 1B. I, I, I was, I know you, I know you're saying Travis Kelsey. Well, that's a whole nother yeah. topic for another Tra- day. Travis Kelsey, <laughs> Mark Andrews, and I'll be honest with you, I got Kyle Pitts in front of your boy. So if Man, you really want to listen, I, I, I get for you, I, I, I can see it, and this is why I go with sub stats. Like, you know, Travis Kelsey gonna get the ball a lot. He ain't blocking and running, so he's gonna catch the ball a lot. Kittle does a lot of, and that's why I keep telling people, Kittle does a lot of blocking. And catching so like his but he doesn't get a Kittle's lot of targets. Kittle's not healthy either. Like you gotta talk about George Kittle being healthy. Like it's a, it's an injury risk with George Kittle on a regular basis on a Sunday. Um, but I think Kyle Pitts, his rookie year, he struggled. You know, with the new offense. I think last year getting hurt, so we didn't see with Desmond Ritter. Now Atlanta has a whole bunch of weapons. But to about to the point, back to the Ravens. Right, right. The the thing is, if Deion, let's just say Odell Beckham is he gets hurt. DeAndre Hopkins is still the guy over there. Zay Flowers is a rookie that takes everything over the top. Andrews is going to command double teams going down the center. All you're asking Lamar Jackson to do is play pitch and catch with one of the best pitch and catch receivers you're going to find. That's what it is. And an offense, they've already said that the new offense that's in Baltimore that's allowing Lamar Jackson to be in the pocket more, way less designed runs, more designed throws. Listen. You get you're saying you want Lamar Jackson to be a pocket passer, okay? Odell Beckham's going to take the top off when he's healthy. He also runs good routes. Zay Flowers is a rookie. Rashad Bateman, but you go get him a possession receiver. I think Lamar Jackson would Lamar Jackson would treat DeAndre Hopkins the same way that anything in Oakland treats Devontae Adams, because you're going to get D Hop the ball. And then that allows Odell Beckham to be one-on-one with, with corners and safeties. This is what you want. Baltimore, Lamar Jackson should have been on the phone. And to be honest with you, Eric DaCosta should have been <laughs> at the house right now uh, offering Maryland Blue Crabs, stock and obey. I mean, you should have offered him the wire, the wire DVD collection, make him make him you know, start the wire all over again. You know. Give him the keys to Carmelo Anthony's, you know, whatever he needs, whatever the whatever the whatever D Hop wants, you give it to him. Because if you're turning this thing on Lamar Jackson, you just paid him all this money, and you want him to be a starting quarterback and to, to show that he can throw the ball, you got to give him everything he needs to succeed. That's what that's when quarterbacks are taken to the next level. Because probably if you look at quarterbacks, Josh Allen took the leap when they got what Stephon Diggs, right? right? That's when Josh Allen became an elite quarterback. When Joe Burrow was drafted, guess what? They got him Jamar Chase the next season. Right. Justin Herbert walked into a situation where he had Keenan Allen 
and Mike Williams. So he walked into that situation. They have to go acquire him. I do think that Deshaun Hopkins, I mean, that D Hop could do well in Cleveland. Baltimore, Cleveland would be great spots for D Hop because you got to think Hopkins and Watson, they know each other extremely well. They got Amari Cooper, you got Peoples Jones. They have a good receiving core in Cleveland if he goes there. But if you want to talk about potentially winning a Super Bowl and you don't want to go to play with Philly or Kansas City, Baltimore is my spot to go. That's my that's my my uh my lukewarm thoughts. I ain't wrong. I'm a, I'm a little cooking this one. <laughs> so speaking of that, now that we come to the conclusion of the show, but we have this one topic and it's called the Raw Thoughts Minute. The Raw Thoughts Minute, also sponsored by Sims Collections by Monica Ritz, is a is something that you can talk about off the top of your head. We haven't discussed, we haven't said anything, we haven't even brought it on the show. So Raw Thoughts Minute is just something that's randomly randomly in your brain saying, hey, this is what I want to talk about. You got a minute to give your raw thoughts on whatever topic it may be. All right, so raw thoughts for me this week. Listen, we talk about the NBA Finals, and we talk about, you know, what's going on in, in that realm, but what we're not talking about is the start of the WNBA season. We really watched some of the best women players take off. We watched uh, Breonna Stewart score 45 points in her first game in New York City in, as, as a member of the New York Liberty. We watched the Las Vegas Aces pick up a carrot diamond ring for their championship ceremony the other night. Um, but my my thought about this is, is I was watching the first weekend of basketball at Ion. I'm just just extremely excited that the league is getting a new a new outlet. There's double headers on weekends. On Friday nights, you're getting two games on Friday nights um, with coverage from all the different teams around the league. So you're seeing the expansion of the league that just needs to get more teams involved because I'm tired of seeing first-round picks being cut before we get a chance to see them become stars. I just watched them one overall pick and basically shown the door after two seasons because she couldn't get playing time. This is the time in the league where, where, where Kathy Engelbert and everybody else who's making the decisions need to go ahead and expand the league. And by the way, lastly, on my WBA topic, there's an issue that was going on this weekend when it comes to people of color in the WNBA space and being Uh-oh. accredited and not accredited. Remember, this league is the majority African-American women. The people in the room that are writing these stories and these uplifting stories, the majority of them are African-American, and especially African-American women. So, if you really want to know where the WNBA lies, it's not always the players on the court. It's the one telling the stories. And most of them are done by black people, especially black women. So before certain folks decide to call out journalists for not being or not being accredited or not being who they say they are, check receipts, check facts, check players, check stories. That's where it really is. It's the ones that are the color of the African-American skin that are covering the WNBA thoughtlessly and also in a great manner, showing these women in a great light for a league that most people should watch. So that's it more than two minutes for me. Raw thought minute, raw thought minute, raw thought minute. It was several things I want to talk about, but I'm not going to talk about it. I had a choice between KD and Booker. Like, nobody's talking about the Phoenix Suns no more until they find a coach. Like, people pretty much then push them away. Like, they're not even getting back to the finals. Then I thought about Joel Embiid, his new coach. Like, his time is up. Like, he needs a – it's time for him to get to a finals. Like, if you don't get with Nick Nurse, it's going to be a time they may move on from him. Um, What's the other one? Oh, no, that was it. All right, so here's my thing. Here's my raw thought minute. 
And this goes out to me, Raw Thoughts. I'm feeling sorry for Devontae Adams. Reason why I'm feeling sorry for Devontae Adams is simply because Devontae Adams comes over there thinking he's going to have his best friend, his guy, his buddy, his high school or college teammate, Derek Carr, still there. But at the end of the season, they decide, probably not even really discussing it with Devontae Adams, that they're going to let him go or let him be free. One of the reasons that Devontae Adams didn't mind coming or traded or whatever it was, I forgot how it went, going to Oakland, traded, it was one of the reasons because they had a partnership, even though the Packers don't have owners, have owners that have shares. They don't have like a, a owner, owner by itself. They probably had some type of agreement where they worked with Devontae Adams probably to help him find his his destination. What happens? Gets with this guy, has a deep slinging guy on, on throwing guy in there called No Aaron Rodgers. And what happens? Poof, he's gone. Now you say, okay, we got you. We're going to bring you something better. We got you. We're going to hook you up. No worries. Don't you worry, Devontae Adams. We got you. And what happens? They're looking on the free agency market, looking for a quarterback. And what happens? They decide to give a guy I know pretty well, porn star Jimmy, another shot. And trust me, one thing about porn star Jimmy, he knows how to get coins. But now the situation is, I see Devontae Adams knows he's not going to get that deep threat. He's not going to get the deep ball down the field. I don't know if Devontae Adams is looking necessarily for a deep ball, but now you get a guy like Jimmy G who's in there who may not be somebody you was really interested in getting. And then add salt to the wound. Jimmy G comes. He doesn't pass physical, but they also have a waiver clause in there to say, hey, look, if this doesn't work, regardless if he was supposed to get paid or not, they're going to waive him, which means that Devontae Adams may have to go through a season of no really good quarterback, and he came to Las Vegas to do something. His stats may be good, but he's going to be sitting home before the wild card game even happens. Hell, they might even rest him. <clears throat> Three games that they know the playoffs ain't even going to be in the picture. So for me, raw thoughts. I'm praying Joshua Daniels should be fired early with that, without a doubt. I ain't even trying to be sold on Joshua Daniels no more. They got rid of a good guy. They're trying to bring in Jimmy J. I know it's one of his guys. Now you got a guy like Devontae Adams is there. Mark Davis, whatever, may like it or not, but the Raiders fans, even though I'm not even a Raiders guy, they deserve better. And right now you're giving them nothing but just a receiver. You don't have a lot of star power on defense. Now you got a receiver over here that you're hoping plays with just any old quarterback out there. Those are my raw thoughts. And they, and they passed on Will Levis twice. <laughs> they passed on Levis twice in the draft. <laughs> this is by far one of the – this is why they're one of the worst franchises in, in the NFL. There's no doubt. The only thing they got going good for them right now is they're in a good market in Las Vegas. They going to sell tickets. Huh? That stadium is gorgeous, by the way. Right, right, right. No doubt. No doubt about that. And with that being said – then let them know who you are. This includes the Raw Mind Sports Show. Listen, Prime. Thanks for stopping. Thanks for letting me come through today. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to talk, you know, to talk sports with you. Uh, follow me on Twitter at www. That's my website. Follow me on Twitter at Danny D A N N Y number three Thompson on Twitter. That's D A N N Y the number three Thompson on Twitter. Also follow my work on Substack, which is called the Wonderful World of Data, which is basically a a beginner's guide to learning sports and data analytics from my perspective. So for those who don't know data, don't know sports analytics, who don't or don't like it. 
this is a good way to try to get yourself to actually immerse yourself into it. It's not really the hardest thing to read, but it's also very informative. Also, check out my work at the threepointconversion.com, where I am still one of the NBA writers that side. NBA Files preview for myself from a Denver's Nuggets perspective will be out sometime before game one of the NBA Finals. And like I said, you can find me in, on other podcasts when I get called with the bat signal like this one tonight. So, Prime, I appreciate it, my brother. Hey, man, anytime, anytime. With that being said, people, you heard it from Danny Thompson. We had raw mind. We had raw thoughts. We had all the substat talk. With that being said, raw thoughts, raw mind is out. Eyes open and listen. This is Raw Mind Sports, another edition.